When is the last time you listened to a podcast about web development, web design, and small business and didn't fall asleep? Yes, we cover web development, web design, and small business, but like actual human beings with personalities. If you're a beginner, we're not going to talk over your head. It's more like asking your buddy for help. We have guests, we have fun, and let me tell you, these two can get off on a tangent. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to HTML All The Things Podcast. This is Matt Lawrence and Mike Curran. That's right, everybody. We are back, and this is the HTML All The Things Podcast. This episode is titled The Hidden Costs of Web Development. Now, I apologize if I sound a little strange. My throat is dying. I don't know what happened. I don't actually have a cold. I just randomly lost my voice and never got it back for like three or four days. Don't know what's going on. No other symptoms. Weird. Anyway... The objective of this episode is to talk, obviously, about the hidden costs of web development. What do I mean by that? I mean, we're going to highlight all the costs that can quickly add up almost stealthily. And a lot of these things are going to be subscriptions, right? Things that you sign up for, different licenses, plugins, programs, maybe even courses, although we won't be focusing on courses. We're going to talk about more or less the things to use that you use and pay for to actually build websites for the most part. We're also going to talk about things like changing price points. You don't realize that some some random app that you've been subscribed to forever has increased their price. All of a sudden, boom, you have another year of it. You didn't actually want it. Now you're paying more than you expected, those type of things. We're going to talk about trying to avoid some of these pitfalls with different deals like Black Friday deals and annual savings by not signing up per month, signing up every six months or every year, those type of things, as well as domain purchase overload, almost like a meme. We won't cover that too much. That's kind of self-explanatory, but I'm sure some people out there are like, man, I got a lot of domains and yeah, it adds up. So if this sounds interesting to you and you want to support the show, you can go check us out on that Patreon, leave a review or rating on your podcast app. Join us in our Discord server, or share this with your friends. And I want to start this episode out with the cost-centric state of the industry. What is the cost-centric state of the industry, you might ask? Well, what it is, is web development seems relatively cheap. And it is actually relatively cheap to get into. A lot of people already have a computer that's capable of doing some basic productivity tasks and also coding. And if you're self-taught, you didn't buy any courses or anything like that, you're just using YouTube or you're just reading blogs and those type of things, web development seems really, really cheap on the offset. And if you're do, or sorry, if you are in a situation in which you do need to purchase some computers or any sort of other related equipment, these are sort of quote unquote one-time purchases. Now, obviously you will need to maintain these things, maybe get them repaired. Eventually you will need to get a better computer, better screen or whatever, because the times have moved on. But these are not subscription fees. You're not paying a subscription in general for your computer or your monitor or your keyboard or whatever it is. So these are more or less quote unquote one-time purchases until you refresh them or we need to maintain them. Now, the thing is, is that software used to also be like this. So it used to be purchased with a perpetual license, meaning you'd go and you'd purchase, you know, Word, enter the year here, Microsoft Word, you'd enter the year here, whatever, 2013, whatever it is, you'd purchase that maybe even at the store at the time in in a retail location, and you would just have Word and it would give you a year or so of updates and you would just have Word and that's it. You could install it, you know, on other windows and that type of thing on other computers, as long as you had that key, and that was it. But now, subscriptions, specifically software as a service, are sort of the king in the industry. Now, subscriptions, 
are the bane of our existence, but they're also great because sometimes you constantly use the software that you have a subscription to and you benefit from having that cutting edge version. Like if you use Word and OneDrive all the time, for example, having a Microsoft 365 subscription makes a lot of sense because they're constantly in that ecosystem. And when you have Microsoft 365, you're also getting other apps like Excel and PowerPoint that complement OneDrive and Word. So if you're doing this stuff for your daily job or for your hobby or whatever, this is great. You have the cutting edge thing all the time. They're constantly, you know, giving you the best thing. You have it. You have multiple licenses for all your devices and you're doing great. Now, the problem comes in, though, is that SaaS products are everywhere, even for the smallest functions. This is where the killer comes from. These these software as a services, these subscriptions are not just for large suites of software. Like I mentioned with Microsoft 365, they're just for little things. It'll be like, oh, I want to do, you know, a specific type of search on Webflow. That's a subscription. I want to have a specific type of map on Webflow and it's not included in there. That's a subscription. I want to have a specific form handling program on my WordPress site. That's a subscription. It's no longer, hey, I'm just going to pay for it and I get it and I, and I keep getting updates or I get updates for a certain amount of time. It's now, hey, I got to keep subscribing, subscribing, subscribing. And of course, there's some exceptions. Some things still have perpetual licenses. Some things are you buy once and they and it's a lifetime license. Those type of things, those things still exist, but what really gets out of control are these monthly and these annual subscriptions that you constantly have to be running the treadmill of. Now, you might think, well, I'm doing web development for a business or I'm working in a business and the agency makes in, makes way more money than we do or then we pay out, excuse me, in subscription fees. So why does that matter? And you might even think as an individual outside of the agency, you might go, well, you know, it's only $10 here, $20 here, this and that. The real big problem is, first of all, you're going to, you're going to forget some of these subscriptions. Chances are I'm going to be paying for stuff for that you don't need mean to be. But in a world of side hustles and side projects, many of which make zero money or very little money, it's very crucial that you manage your budget and expectations, meaning feature expectations for your clients so that subscriptions do not get out of control. Can you imagine, just think about this. A lot of people will get disgusted at Netflix get, raising their prices. And let's say you're a person that watches Netflix every night after work. So let's say Netflix raises their price to $50 and you're thinking, whoa, that's ridiculous. $50 a month. That's crazy. You use Netflix every day, every single day. But what about your little side project that like, converts photos for people and you're you might be paying $50 a month in different subscriptions to keep that thing up and running without really thinking about it and it's just a side hustle that you did for your portfolio and you're keeping it up because you like it but it's not actually generating you any money and in fact it's it's costing you that 50 and you're making nothing that can really seriously happen now we have a breakdown here of subscription fees and what the different types are so I'm going to go through sort of I have different categories, you, if you will. And then I, at the end, I also have some community suggested ones because there were some great ones that I actually missed. So the first set I have here are productivity apps. These are classic. I already mentioned one of them, Microsoft 365. This is your office suite of productivity apps, including things like Excel, Word, those type of things. Then on top of your productivity suite of apps, you may have a different project or task management software coming in the form of maybe monday.com, Asana, or Mo or Notion, those type of things. It might be like, oh, I, you know, I don't like the Microsoft one that's included, I'll use this one. Or, oh, I don't like Word, I'll use Google Drive. 
you know, things like that. And then, oh, I'm using Google Drive a lot, or I'll use, uh, excuse me, uh, Google Docs. I need now I need Google Drive space. So these things start overlapping and creeping in. What about AI? This is a brand new thing that we never paid for before. ChatGPT Plus is an example of another subscription in another category. It's not replacing one. It's not like we're taking Microsoft 365 and going, nope, don't need you. I'm on ChatGPT now. This is a new category. AI is something else that we may, ha may have to pay for in some capacity, and you can in the form of ChatGPT Plus. You can pay, like, AI has a ton of subscription apps right now. Like, there's, oh, there's sure. ones that do, like, video editing for you. There's ones that do transcribing. Like, I think the, like, what, what the company I'm working for right now, we have, like, four or five different subscriptions to AI products. One, obviously, being, like, Copilot for GitHub. One being ChatGPT+, obviously. And then I think we have, like, two more for content creation purposes all AI and like, I mean, mid journey, like you might have to pay for that because that's a whole separate image generation. One um, might have to add AI to an existing subscription, something like a, a Raycast. If you've ever used Raycast before, it's a Mac OS kind of a command bar replacement. They have a subscription for AI on top of their regular subscription, I believe. So like this adds a whole other level of subscription on top of subscription on top of subscription kind of situations where you're just like, you're paying for, 15 different things all of a sudden, yeah, it increases your productivity, but is it increasing it by, you know, X amount percent that you think it is when you're paying for all of these? So yeah, it's it's a good one to bring up and kind of really focus on, I think. Well, there's there's an allure too, like, <clears throat> excuse me, you and I, Mike, you, used, you and I used to use Asana and I wasn't really a fan. There's nothing wrong with Asana. It's just not my thing. And when you're in there, there's some things where the allure of upgrading to the pro or the paid version is there. Cause you're like, man, I really wish I could actually add these, I don't know, subtasks or whatever. It's been a while since I've used Asana, but I, I want that barrier gone. Canva is a, fa a famous one for me where I've been using Canva and I constantly say, I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy Canva pro. I'm going to buy Canva pro once I need it. And I <laughs> haven't needed it in years. And it's like this allure of like, well, it would be a tiny bit more convenient if I just paid Canva and that paywall, that pro paywall is down and it just isn't necessarily the case. It isn't necessarily going to give you the value back. And that's not saying anything against Asana or Canva. It's saying it about me where I don't need those subscriptions because I'm not going to use those apps much or I'm not going to use them as intensely past the free version. But because I use Canva, they're getting a value because a, if I ever need a quick, like a design program like Canva, I'm just going to go to Canva because I'm familiar with it. And B, I'm talking to you guys now about Canva. And I talk, even if I didn't have a podcast, I talk word of mouth. So those free tiers still do offer value to the companies and they offer me enough value that I don't need to upgrade and I don't need to go down the road of getting another subscription. What's something else that we don't really think of when we get a, when we get a, a website, this is a classic one that we have clients that don't believe this hosting costs. We have clients that say like, what do you mean there's a monthly or a yearly cost associated? It's like, what do you, what do you mean? You know, you're usually, someone's keeping the lights on here. There's a server running your thing. And I'm not going to get into the details of what servers are with a client necessarily, unless they ask, but your website's up all the time doing something. You thought it was just going to like exist in the fervor and like, that was it. So, you know, shared hosting, one of the cheapest, if not the cheapest way to get hosting other than free hosting, of course, but shared hosting. You got to pay that. You got to pay for that. Reseller hosting. If you're running a small agency or even sometimes larger agency, you got to pay for that. VPS, dedicated, all that. It keeps going up in price. You got to pay for that stuff. And the clients, like 
the, the bill kind of gets passed down, passed down, passed down, but you're holding the bag there. Like it's your name and your credit card on that subscription. You need to pay for that shared hosting for you, for your client, for example. Yeah. And before people jump in and be like, well, well Netlify and Vercel have free hosting. First of all, yes, they do, but read their uh, privacy policy or read their policy. You can't use that hosting and then charge for a, a website and use a, and, and build a, a client website with it. You can't technically like obviously you could, but with the, if they find out, they could cut you off. Like that's not allowed to their with their terms of service. It's so, almost like reseller hosting, like correct. using so, it as reseller for free. Yeah, almost. Yeah, you can't do that. So like if you're doing it, I would highly consider switching to the paid version and passing that cost down to your client and maybe putting a little bit of a percent on top of it because you have to manage that that process. So like there is no free lunch for sure. There are ways around it and there's some hacky ways that you can get really cheap or quote unquote free. Like if you can host it on your own computer, I guess, but that's going to have other limitations that you're not going to be able to see. So yeah, this, this one, this one's a kind of a mind boggling one for people to question because it is something that actually takes up space and takes up computing power. It's tough to explain. And they, and we get this question more often than you think, you know, we get this question three, four times a year. And that's a lot for us because we're, you know, it's just Mike and I, so we're not doing a million projects in a year, three, four times a year. We'll get like, what do you, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean you got to do hosting? It's like, of course, someone's got to keep the lights on wherever the thing is hosted. What are you talking about? Also, here's another one that people don't realize domain registrations. Now I know in the, the web space, this, you know, this is kind of a meme. Web developers are always like, I want to do this side, this side hustle. I'm going to buy this, this, this domain. And I'm going to do this side hustle. I'm going to buy this domain. And I always thought I'm not going to fall for any of that crap. This year I got my, like my, like re uh, my renew report. And I'm like, man, I don't even remember buying half these domains. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of a meme and it, and it, I mean, it's a meme for a reason it, yep. it came true, but this is also something you have to tell your clients like, Hey, you got to pay for that domain. And here's the thing we've had, we've had clients, you know, due to their, you know, due to forgetfulness or whatever, fail to renew a domain. And then they go like, Oh, what do you mean? I'm like, well, you better get that thing back quick. Cause if you're popular at all, or if anyone wants to grab that name, now you're done, you know, and you're, you're going to have to like redo basically all your SEO this is a mess. Like go, you have to make sure that domain registration is working, you know, and I've let, I've accidentally had domains lapse for sure. You know, I'm not perfect either, but you have to make sure they're paid for. And it's another subscription that you have to pay per year, per month, whatever. Shopify is a classic one. Now I have this one on its own because it's a super popular e-commerce platform and Shopify plugins are out of control, just out of control sometimes. So we've had David friend of the show on and I've had a brief conversation with him and I was going to quote some of his direct tweets, but I'll just sort of quote, you know, kind of the experience that he's had. And that is like, just to get a store the way you want it on Shopify can require a whole bunch of plugins. Many of those plugins are free. Yeah. And many of them are not many of these plugins are paid. And so just simple things that you think that would be included with Shopify just not there. Now I want to be full disclosure here. I've not used Shopify myself. So uh, some of my information may be a little wishy-washy there. I've obviously read up on some of this stuff, but I just, just an FYI in case you're like, Hey, that's not right. I have not used Shopify myself firsthand, but things like bold membership, that's a plugin. It's a plugin to sell memberships that can offer exclusive products and discounts. That's a paid plugin. Here's something you would probably want on your store frequently bought together. That's another plugin. With Frequently Bought Together, your customers can buy related products with a single click, increasing the order value and your revenue. 
you would think, or at least I would think that that would just be a part of Shopify. That's a plugin. That's a plugin on Shopify. If you're a big Instagram influencer and that's how you generate leads and that's how you get people to go to your Shopify store and you want your Instagram feed on there, InstaFeed, another plugin, Instagram feeds on your Shopify store. It's just that simple. That's another plugin. So like, not only are you paying for Shopify, but you're paying for various, you're paying for the various um, plugins as well. And the crazy thing is, is these plugins are not necessarily cheap. So for example, the one I just said, InstaFeed, there is a free plan available, but there's a lot, there's a, there's a couple others, excuse me, that are not. There's a pro and a plus plan. And I believe these are newest dollars, $6 a month or $19 a month. And yes, there are yearly commitments that you can make and save 15%. But still it's like, why? Like I'm, I'm trying to sell stuff. You know, you would think that Shopify would be a little bit more fully featured, I guess, but it's kind of like WordPress where WordPress is, is there to be the, the bare bones. It's there to be the blog platform. Shopify is there as the e-commerce platform, but they're not going to be super into making every single store super cool, super fast. They're not going to sponsor or excuse me, I guess, support like 18 different features. They're just not going to do it because it's a lot to do. So they hand it out to sort of these third party um, plugin developers. And then of course those plugin developers have to be paid. And I do want to say right now that I'm not complaining about these individual plugins. I understand that these are, there's developers and that that, go, that goes for Microsoft 365 and Asana and everything as well. Absolutely. These products are oftentimes very useful. They offer a lot of value. And so absolutely like these, these places have to be paid. I'm not saying these things should be free in any way. I'm not discounting that the developers, you know, should lower the price or make it free or anything like that. But what I'm saying is, is that every little thing is a subscription and these are oftentimes hidden costs, things that you don't realize until you're like, I wouldn't mind a little bought together section on my frequently bought together section on my store. Oh, I have to pay for that. Uh Oh, oh, I want a bit of a little bit of a membership site when, when I'm having a VIP club. Oh, got to pay for that. You have to pay for all these things, right? Little things that you just don't think you would have to, that you would think would be included, for example, in the Shopify, in the Shopify subscription. The other thing with Shopify, uh, people that I don't think realize that when you get to like large business and enterprise level business, we're not talking like you're paying, you know, $500 a month or $200 a month, which seems like a lot right now, like probably to you, you're like, holy crap, $200 a month. Those are for small businesses. That's for like things that you can control with your own stuff. And you're talking, you know, thousands of dollars a month, or maybe, you know, I don't know what their limit is, but when you're talking like enterprise level businesses that host on Shopify, and there are quite a few of them, I work for one, you're talking like $10,000 a month, you're talking potentially hundreds of thousands of dollars a year, in terms of hosting plus their percent that they take off sales. And people choose them still with that cost. Like think about that. There's tons and tons of money there just going to your provider of an e-commerce store. The reason that they choose them is because you can build it yourself or you can use an open source platform, something like uh, Magento, but the upkeep and the engineering costs for that to do the same thing are going to be over the ten to $100,000 costs that Shopify takes. That's the crazy part of all this. And with each and everything that Matt's going to talk about, and then I'll talk about a little bit later, you keep that in mind. Like a lot of these things, like, yes, it's it's death by a thousand subscriptions, but then you have to take into account what's the engineering cost of doing the same thing. 
do I hire, is my engineer capable of maintaining what I have currently plus this additional service, whether it be e-commerce, whether it be, uh, you know, hosting, whether it be like continuous integrate, whatever, like we'll talk about it more in in detail, but like, are they capable of doing that? Or do I have to hire another developer at $100,000 a year to maintain it? And then that $200 a month cost is nothing. And that's what happens. Like those, those are the decisions being made by the top level management. And that's what leads to these like $10,000 a month bills for all these different subscriptions and people being like, oh, that's cheap because it is at the end of the day, $10,000 a month is cheaper than, you know, three or four developers costing you tens, like each one costing you $10,000. Well, the other thing too, is that if, if you're ill-equipped engineering wise, you're going to have downtime and that downtime, especially in an e-commerce store is costing you sales. Some people may not come back. They might go, well, their store was down twice. Store was down once today. I've now thought about it. And I don't want this anymore. And then they walk away. So that's, that's actually costing you sales. So it's costing you money to engineer it and keep it up. Keep your engineering team there and up to snuff. Any downtime is also costing you money. And of course, Shopify's can have some downtime. Everything does, but you know, it's a much bigger team of people of specialists that are keeping things together. And it's much more, you know, put together in that way. And that is why I mentioned Shopify because Mike and I will mention to people, you should go to Shopify to sell stuff because We've had people come to us and they go, we want an e-commerce store, but we want it. You know, we, we sell, you know, a couple items a year. Like quite literally, we have some seasonal items we want to sell. And it's like, what are you going to make on it? A couple hundred bucks. It's like, that's not worth it. The license for some of the stuff that we buy is a hundred, hundred dollars Canadian a year. It's not worth it. Like, don't get us to do that. Go to Shopify. And if you want us to make the site, your, your marketing site, that's great. But have Shopify do the store. It doesn't make any sense. Have Webflow, key e-commerce, do the store. Those type of services are there for a reason. It really makes more sense to do that way because it just it just doesn't make sense sometimes with this stuff. So like whereas we you know I'm obviously talking about hidden costs in this episode and you know, trying to like make sure you don't you know buy too many subscriptions. There's a reason why some of these subscriptions exist. It's because you know you're paying Shopify to keep up to date with security you know, standards, regulations for handling credit cards, blah, 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 you know, all that stuff. While you focus on generating leads and selling the actual products, you're, you're the salesperson. Shopify is the tech person in that particular case. Webflow is another thing that Mike and I deal with Webflow projects and plugins. So here's the thing with Webflow. If you're looking to make a portfolio on Webflow, each project is going to cost you unless you're able to fit it within the free tier. You have to pay unless the unless the your projects will fit in the free tier now i will say the free tier is pretty pretty generous um especially if you just use the regular domain so the domain that they give you the subdomain webflow.io and then your thing gets tacked onto the top if you're just using this for a portfolio that's totally fine and that's great you know and thank you to webflow for that but if you wanted to make some sort of like little side project that goes above this free tier or if you want to show off skills that go above this free tier for whatever reason, each time you do that, that is another site. That is another project. That's another cost. And I mean, I guess domain optional, you could continue using the Webflow subdomain, but it's still something to consider, especially if you want to start going public facing and not just portfolio facing, you probably want to have a custom domain. That's another subscription. And there are third party features made for Webflow. I'm going to call them plugins, but I think Webflow might call them apps. They have sort of a marketplace for them now. And then there's other ones that aren't in there as well. 
And a lot of these things are reliant, a lot of these features are reliant on a subscription fee. Like if you want to have any sort of advanced map handling, that's a subscription fee. If you want to have uh, sort of like a more uh, dynamic search so webflow offers site search where you like type something in and it loads like a search results page almost like a google if you want to have like i think it's like on page filters and those type of things it's been a while since i've looked but those type of things that's another subscription fee that you're paying and this is very similar to wordpress wordpress is the baseline blog builder it's the place it's the baseline here's my blog and here's my cms right but many wordpress plugins have a free and a paid tier. However, a single website can easily require several paid plugins to operate as expected. So whereas some place, some people will just do, you know, they'll just go with the free tier and they'll try to cut down on the amount of plugins they use to be budget conscious. Sometimes you as an agency owner might talk to the client and say, hey, this little thing that you're asking me to do seems little because a lot of other sites have it. That's paid though. That's another, that's another bunch of money. That's another bunch of money. That's not just one time. That's per month. That's per year. That's per every couple of years, every six months, whatever it's going to cost. And these costs can very easily snowball and become a lot. Also, sudden changes, as I've mentioned, can really stir things up. So Webflow pricing change. Now, I'm not blaming Webflow for changing their prices, but this is something that can mess up someone's budget. So, for example, I think it was in 2022, they announced that their monthly billing for their CMS plan was going from 20 to twenty nine dollars. Now, that doesn't sound like a lot, but how many projects do you have? And we have a client that has a site that's basically defunct, that's basically just sitting there in limbo, and that still costs $29 because of the stuff that they have on the site, the stuff that's you know kind of sitting there idle is still in the CMS monthly, monthly plan. And yes, there's an annual pricing that's less. It went up to 23 US dollars, right? From, nine, from 16 to 23 US dollars. So there's a little bit of budget consciousness you could have there. And there was also a grace period offered to existing subscribers so that you could, you know, kind of rework your budget. But these are things that will upset someone's budget, especially if it's already stretched thin. There's also an Outlook debacle. And Mike, he keeps hearing me complain about this. This is, I think this is crazy. So Outlook is transitioning to the new Outlook. And that requires a license for each account you add. Now, there are some that are exempt. So freeoutlook.com accounts are allowed. I think Gmail accounts are allowed, those type of things. But here's the thing. So mail on Windows 10 and now 11 is being discontinued in 2024, moving over to this quote unquote new Outlook. Now, I haven't heard anything about the Outlook Enterprise or Outlook Desktop being replaced, but there is a toggle switch that says try the new Outlook. I can't sign into our work accounts on Microsoft's own new mail client because I need to have a license per. But that license is actually a Microsoft 365 license that includes Word and everything, which I already have on another account. So I would be licensing Word and PowerPoint and that suite of products, including Outlook, three times to sign into my three email accounts. In other words, someone logging into Windows wanting to use the newest Outlook today will not be able to necessarily sign in with their work accounts. That's crazy. So Microsoft doesn't have a mail client, which to me is ridiculous. And this is a bit of a debacle. Now, yeah, I can use the web version. Yes, I can just pay for the higher license. But this is an upset to me. It's like, what do you mean? I can't sign in. I can't sign into my email. Like I get not giving me word. I have word license through another account, though. I am paying for it. But I have to license word again. And then I have to do it again because I have three different accounts. I can't use Microsoft's own new mail client. 
That is an upset. And little weird things like this will happen with these software as a service licensing or subscription models. Now, I do have a common project with hidden costs that I do want to lay out, and I do have some prices li um, listed up in there. Before I do, though, I reached out to the Twitter or the X community asking, hey, you know, what's going on? Have I missed anything? And I just listed a few of the things that I had in the list at the time, and I got some great suggestions. So I'm just going to go over those right now. And SSL cert. So many hosts absolutely will allow you just to use a free cert, like from Let's Encrypt or something like that, but some won't. And SSL certs are not expensive or are not cheap. For example, GoDaddy is in the business. You got to pay. And it's not once you it's a subscription. You got to pay over and over and over again on probably an annual, I would imagine, cycle. You got to pay for that. And there's other places other than GoDaddy, of course, that do sell SSL certs. But this is something to consider. And there's different tiers of SSL cert as well. API usage is another one where you're, if your engineering team has, has not cached information appropriately, or maybe they're not allowed to, and the API is constantly being called, 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 and you have a big spike in traffic, API usage can blow up. And many people don't even realize that there are payments associated with pulling down information like that. Some of the APIs are free. Some of them are free and paid. So maybe you, you know, a thousand, you're allowed to do a thousand a month. And then after that, you got to pay for some sort of subscription or something like that, or you pay per use or whatever it is. It's up to the API sort of holder, the, the, the provider. But this is a big deal. Like this is something that absolutely can affect your project. And also something else to consider here, unclear communication and scope creep is absolutely a hidden cost of web development. You go out, you, you write out your quote, you know, you think it's super detailed, everything's great. You say, I'm going to build this site for you for 2000 bucks. Client goes, that sounds good. Let's do it. And then they keep emailing you. Where's the email form? Let's, let's add an email form. Let's add a couple pages. Scope creep comes in there. It's costing somebody, either it's costing you money or it's costing you time or it's costing you both because time is money. That absolutely happens. And due to, and due to unclear communications, you might be reworking things. The person might say, I don't want an email form. Okay. So you just put their email listed in text. You click it, make it a link. You click it, opens up mail client. They go to that and they go, well, everyone else has forms. Why wouldn't you do a form? We have client conversations like that all the time where they go like, why wouldn't you just do it like everyone else? And so like almost the, I mean, obviously we're nice to the client, but sometimes the response that I'd love to give them is that why did you ask me to explicitly not do a form? Why would you ask me to explicitly not do a form when you wanted one? Unclear communication. Now it's money out of my pocket because I'm just going to end up doing it. They're not going to pay more because they're, they're angry and I'm angry and maybe I could demand that, but it's going to be an argument. Big mess. So unclear communications and scope creep are absolutely hidden costs of web development. Absolutely. They're not a subscription, but they're certainly something that'll hurt you. Also dealing with broken browser features. So this, this is something that happened to me years ago. I had a problem with Safari. I was trying to make a media player and it worked everywhere. It just would not work at Safari. I read the spec sheet over and over again, and maybe I was wrong. Maybe something was something was up, but I don't think Safari was doing what it was supposed to be doing. So now you have to implement a workaround and a fix, and you have to like detect if it's Safari and implement the workaround only there and things like that. That's a pain. And Safari's not the only one that's guilty. Firefox is guilty. Edge is guilty. Chrome's guilty of things like this. This absolutely happens. Dealing with broken browser features is, again, a non-subscription hidden fee to web development that can absolutely happen and it can absolutely add up. Also, I have a, a, a quote here. I just like literally took the person's tweet 
So I'm just going to read it out. For me, complicated build tools and dependencies really hurt in the long run, not just because they're, they're harder to understand, but few people take the time to learn how their build tools work, resulting in people being too afraid to touch those files, leading to, com- leading to compounding problems. And this, I would say to me anyway, speaks to obviously the build tools and the dependencies, but to setting up the environment, because obviously the build tools and the dependencies are part of that. If you have an, a junior dev join your team and they need to set up their dev environment, but they're setting up their dev environment for like two months or like two weeks or whatever, and it's still not right. And they're still tinkering with it and tinkering with it and tinkering with it. And then their hard drive on their computer or their SSD goes. Now they got to restart. They got to have their computer wiped. Maybe Windows messes up. And they got to have their computer wiped, formatted. Now they're back and they can't just get back up and running and be a part of the team again. It's another week messing around with, oh, you got to set these ports and you got to all this and this has actually been deprecated. So we got to use this other method. And that's a mess. And that's, again, a a non-subscription hidden cost that can really, really hurt a project. Yeah, I think like the sunk cost or not not even the sunk cost, those those like time wasting hidden costs are interesting because they they do add up quickly with web development um i am going to go back into kind of the more traditional hidden cost or subscription costs though i do have a few here so one could be like a headless cms or cms in general could cost quite a bit i mean like wordpress is a free cms that you have to host hosting costs but wordpress itself is free but if you go to something like a uh statamic which is a a more complete like a, a very similar to wordpress but like a little bit more of a packaged one you're going to be paying per site a certain amount of money, right? If you go to a headless CMS like Sanity or Strappy, they have free tiers like we've been talking about. That's fine. And you can even, I think you can even use the free tiers on client projects as per their TOS. But uh, they they will get to a point where you're like, okay, this project is getting too big. I have to jump to the paid tier. And those paid tiers can be a pretty big jump. So some some like some of them, I think... I think Sanity has now improved their pricing structure. So it's not like from zero to 500 or something like that, that it was at some point. But overall, like there's some of them where you can be like paying zero and then all of a sudden paying $150 a month. Are you going to price that in? How are you going to price that in? Are are you going to hit that? Are you going to adjust your client's expectations? Because, hey, you don't want to pay $150 a month and you can't get there, right? So it's dangerous. If you're hosting images, that's another one. Like that's a very common thing. Like you have a profile on your account on in your website where a person can upload their profile picture. Really simple functionality that could be like something that you just don't even think about because every website has it. Well, you're gonna have to host those images somewhere. Where are you gonna do that? Well, you're gonna have to use a, like an S3 bucket. That's another monthly cost, or a Cloudinary subscription. That's another monthly cost. So again, those add up. Mailchimp. You're gonna be sending emails. And sometimes, like let's say that your your website needs to verify. Uh, their their email address when they sign up. That's a simple email, like a simple thing that you might not even think about. Well, you might, you can set up your own email server, but I'm sure Matt can attest to this. As soon as you start sending emails from like a Node.js or like a PHP, some of those are going to go into the junk mail because you don't have that, um, what's it called? The the link equity or the seniority. I, I don't know. I don't know what it's called, but like if you're sending from a, if you're sending from a non- standard account from like a a web server a lot of times email clients like gmail or outlook will put that straight into junk oh yeah do you you have to get your dns or you have to get your dns situation in order you have to like have that as like an author an authorized sending and, and and blah 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 and you also have a problem oftentimes where if an email is so for example if you're trying to send from html the things.com 
if the email form is not sending from an HTML, the things.com address, that will often cause problems that, that, that shows up a lot in, um, that shows up a lot in WordPress plugins that say, Hey, you should be sending, you know, if you're doing this for the SMTP, whatever, blah, 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 you should be setting this up as you should set up your SMTP settings under, you know, Matt at HTML, the things or forms at HTML, all the things.com to avoid problems. There's ways around that. Of course, some clients go through external SFTP services. There's ways around it. But in terms of a basic setup, you have to have your DNS in order to make your things not be flagged. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, your, your, your links have to have authority. Like it, it's, it's a whole mess. So a lot of people will choose to go with something like MailChimp, which will make it a lot simpler for you to do that because they've set it up all, all themselves. And they'll take you through how to do the DNS setup for you. Um, to make sure that all your links go through, but that's going to add on a cost. Again, the MailChimp isn't free. I think they might have a free tier, but it's, it's going to quickly add up to the point where you're going to pay another freaking monthly cost for just sending emails or creating a marketing list, like all of that. And it could be high. Like I'm, it could be in the thousands, honestly. If you're, if you're, even if you're not even that big, if you have a few, few thousand, um, few thousand person mailing list, like five to 10,000, if you're, have a multiple series mailing lists and you have crazy marketing strategies, it's going to add up quickly. Trust me on this one. Email is not cheap. So like, these are just like the top level things. There's even more hidden costs when you get to like analytics aggregation, you're going, you're talking about something like Telium where it takes like a bunch of different analytics platforms and a bunch of different script loading things and makes it so that you can load them all from one script on a website that your marketing department can control. That's another cost. Like, you should like, I've seen some bills. I've seen some monthly bills for these enterprise level clients that are six figures. That's not an exaggeration. Now that includes a lot of hosting and uh, bandwidth costs, which is expensive, but still like it is insane. The co- how costs can add up for a large, larger corporation that just loses control of their monthly subscriptions. Cause they're just like, we need this. So we need to add it. And I don't, I don't care about like, I don't care about getting approvals. I don't care about the engineer's thoughts. We're just adding it. And that's it. It, it comes down from the higher ups, right? It gets exactly. like dumped. Yeah. Yeah. Like the marketing department is like, we need this right now. It's like, this is $150 a month. Like we need it. We don't care. Like it's going to potentially increase our sales by two times and never ends up doing that obviously, but that's how their thought process goes. So yeah, it's, it is a real thing. Hitting costs of web development is a real, real problem in the industry. Uh, you have to be very careful. You have to audit your subscriptions often. Like you can't get bogged down in it. You can't audit it every day, but every quarter at least go through and see what you're paying for because it can, it can add up. Speaking of things that add up, there's a, there's a transition for you. Speaking of things that add up, my caffeine addiction, my caffeine intake was adding up until I gave Magic Mind a try. I've been really enjoying it. So if you listened to last week's episode, I had mentioned that I had, you know, I, I purchased and was about to start trying. I think maybe I tried a cup for taste of some instant decaf coffee. And I'm happy to announce that I am actually drinking that pretty regularly. Um, actually just put having some decaf instant coffee, especially in the evenings when I have the craving for the flavor. I think the big thing for me was that I just wanted the coffee flavor or like coffee is really my only with few exceptions, hot drink. And so I'm drinking like a bubbly or a water or like a zero sugar soda usually. And it just kind of got boring, right? It's like, I have these three or four drinks. I'm drinking them a lot. And it's like, I want, you know, a hot beverage as well. And the only thing I was drinking was coffee Oh, hot beverage, coffee, hot beverage, coffee, hot beverage, coffee. So what I've been doing is I've been drinking my one, this is wild, sometimes one coffee now 
with a decaf in the morning. Sometimes two decafs in the morning. And then also my magic mind. Now, there's a few days of exception right now because I'm going for a medical test and I'm only allowed to have literally one coffee and nothing else other than water and a couple of things. But regardless of the wit, regardless of which, I have been uh, much more, uh, I would say, more focused. I would actually say that I'm more calm. I have this like weird anxiety thing where I go up to 100 for about four seconds and then come back down. That's been going away. I'm not panicking as much when new situations show up. And whether we can attribute that all to the magic mind or attribute that to the less caffeine, I don't know. But I do know the magic mind has helped me cut back my caffeine intake. No, no joke. Like no, no messing around. Even today, I'm going for the, my medical appointment today. I've had a single cup of coffee, no decaf, and I'm drinking a bubbly because I'm allowed to have that. That's a that's a um, flavored water, um, zero calorie flavored water in Canada for those. It's like LaCroix for those of us, those of you in America. So that's where I'm at. And so I, I thank Magic Mind for that. And I still have some left. So I will be going back on the Magic Mind once I'm allowed to do so after these medical tests and that type of thing. And I actually kind of want to try a matcha drink. So matcha is in Magic Mind and I'm seeing these green matcha drinks from you know, from different coffee shops and those type of things. And I kind of want to try one. Matcha helps, helps you, excuse me, it contains less caffeine than coffee. And it also kind of slows your body's, your body's ability to absorb the caffeine. So I, you know, it kind of extends the benefits of those things. And I think that matcha is one of the main ingredients that's helping me. And of course, if, if any of my family or friends ask me, man, I would love to get off this caffeine kick or I'm so jittery during the day or I'm drinking caffeine like crazy to get past the afternoon crash. I would say, give magic mind a try, try it with your morning coffee. Just see if it helps you. And if you, the audience would like to try out magic mind, the January promotion as of recording, this is still going on. Crush your 2024 new year's resolutions and be fully focused when you do so by using our link and our promo code, you will get as part of the January promotion one month for free when you're subscribing for three months. The link is magicmind.com slash Jan HTML. That will, of course, be in the show notes. And of course, use our code HTML20 as well when you're doing so. And if you're listening to this in the future and you're like, man, I missed out on the January promotion, no worries. The code HTML20 it will give you up to 20% off one-time purchases. So again, in January, you can get up to 75% off using our link and our promo code. If you're listening to this in the future, up to 20% off using our code, go and check it out. See if it will help you reduce your caffeine intake as well. Now let's do an example project. So I want to be clear. I'm not going in to this project with a huge, you know, budget conscious mind. I'm not doing the things the most efficient they're supposed to be. This is a project kind of like Mike described where, you know, it starts getting thrown together. People just start adding features, adding features, adding features. And sometimes these features are superfluous and they don't need to be used. Other times they do need to be used. And this is a project that I think is really common. So really brief, what is this fake project that I'm talking about? It's an e-commerce brand that sells electronic components and they have a few different things. They have a marketing and info website in that marketing and info website. It needs to be easy for staff to build out, modify, add and delete pages. Also, they do blog posts for marketing and SEO, focusing on product descriptions, cool electronic projects, different products that are coming out, the sort of typical marketing blog that you would see almost a niche blog, really. 
They have another type of page. They're data sheet and, in, and heavy info pages. If you've ever looked at electronic components, there's a tons of stuff. This is the tolerance. This is the input. This is the output. It's D, it needs DC. It can take this much heat. It should have a heat sink. It should. There's a lot of information. So these pages are extremely text heavy and or will require a downloadable PDF spec sheet. And they're not really of interest to the blog post. So it's a different type of page. Then also, the brand has a weekly podcast and the podcast will host, will house their show notes on this marketing website and embed their podcast host player inside of it. So what else do they need other than this marketing and info website? They need a podcast host. They also need an e-commerce website. They got to sell these things, right? So they need some sort of e-commerce arm of this stuff. And then, and I don't price this out specifically in the episode and I'll explain why later, social media marketing. A lot of the companies like this will do social media marketing. So what products did I throw together and at what cost? Again, not budget conscious. I just went at it real quick because this is how some sites are built and this is how things get out of control right out of the gate. Domain registration, that is $21.99 per year. This is in American dollars, $21.99. This is for a basic.com, not a premium.com. I chose the electronic supplier.com. $21.99 USD per year with no promo. Now there are usually promos available, but with no promo, that's the price. The marketing and info website. This is a big one. 206 US dollars per year. Doesn't sound like a lot, but we haven't even talked about hosting yet, by the way. We're going to use the self-hosted WordPress and that price is free. So that's great. There's our best price of the day. It's free. That's it. You use it, you update it, you download it, you upload it, whatever you do, it's free. But we need our we need our people, our staff to be able to quickly and easily add or move pages. Well, we're not going to use the built-in WordPress thing. We're going to use Elementor Pro and we want all the features. So we're going to have to purchase their $99 per year license. Now, this is a license that goes, oops, excuse me, that does up to three websites, but unfortunately, we need this license because we want all the features that are included with Elementor Pro. So this is going to be the page builder that allows people to make and build those layouts, experiment with different pages, make landing pages, all those things. But remember, we did say that we don't just have a blog on this website. We don't just have static pages and blogs. We have multiple post types. So what do we need with that? We need custom post type UI. And because we're being super flipped, we're going to use custom post type UI extended, which is 29 US dollars every six months. This is to create custom post types, accommodating the blog posts, accommodating the show notes and, and uh, accommodating the data sheet or the heavy information pages. So three different types of, of uh, posts, blog posts are, of course, by default already there. But because we need custom post types, we probably need some special fields in there to make the editing experience better, too. Right. Advanced Custom Fields Pro, another WordPress plugin, 49 US dollars per year. This is for their personal license. Now, there is a promo on right now for thirty nine dollars a year, but I'm trying to I'm, I don't want to like use promos. I'm using the I'm using the price that has this trick through through it. So forty nine dollars US dollars per year. This is to accommodate different fields like podcast specific fields if they want to have you know, oh, you know, put just just paste the podcast embed in here and have the podcast name here and have the RSS link here, a little bit of a better editing experience than just telling people, hey, go use the rich text field and make sure you have the same template every time. So this is a better editing experience, 49 US dollars per year. Well, okay. What about the web hosting? Well, I went with a very popular option, Bluehost WordPress hosting with no promotions because I've removed them. 
$8.99 US dollars per month, which equates to $107.88 per year. Now, again, this is just the, the price. This is not including sales tax. This is not including any sort of state tax, whatever you pay. This is just, again, this is just the price that's being listed here. No taxes or fees are being added. Um, I'm just looking at the pricing chart and adding these things together. So these prices may be higher. So now we're at over $300 US dollars a year just for the marketing marketing and info website. But wait, what about those podcast post types? You need a podcast host, Podbean. That's what we chose for our podcast host. Again, without an annual plan, so charging the most expensive way we can, 14 US dollars per month for the for the unlimited, excuse me, the unlimited plan. This is to host and distribute the podcast <laughs> for this is 168 US dollars per year. This start to add up. Like this sounds like such a simple project, right? Such a simple project. And there's ways to save money in here, which we're going to get into after this. Don't worry. But $168 a year just to your podcast. Hope that podcast brings in a little bit of money because you haven't even started selling anything yet. This is just your marketing website. This is just your podcast, which is more or less for marketing. What about your e-commerce website? Shopify, that's what we're gonna bring in here. 39 US dollars a month, and I'm adding a plugin for 9.99 US dollars a month, which equates the e-commerce website to $587.88 US dollars per year. That's a lot. Now Shopify, 39 US dollars a month. Of course, this is their basic plan that will allow you to run your e-commerce side of the business, just straight up. I'm not gonna get into all the details of like, why well, I wanted this and that, no. That just allows you to start selling your electronic components online. And again, this is their basic plan. And I also wanted one of the Shopify plugins I mentioned before frequently bought together because electronic components are often bought together. Like you might buy, for example, a so some solder with a soldering iron with a soldering iron holder. That's a great little soldering setup. These are frequently bought together. That's going to raise, hopefully, how much we sell. So... I want this plugin. That's $9.99 USD, USD per month. Things are starting to get out of control. Now, we haven't even started marketing other than organic. And I'm not going to put a price on this because this changes wildly per company. Social media marketing. Are you going to take out Facebook ads and X ads and this ad and uh, I don't know, Instagram ads? Are you going to take out ads on Google like Google ads? Are you going to what are you going to do? Are you going to pay 100, 500, 600, 1,000, 2,000, 8,000, 100,000 a month? What are you going to spend? This is so wild, but this is already well over $700 per year. This is not including any other like thing that we missed, like maybe we need an SSL cert, probably not, but maybe we do down the road. What if we what if we grow out of Bluehost and we choose another host and we need an SSL cert, right? This isn't including much growing pain. And this isn't including the staff that are going to be recording the podcast, writing the podcast, writing blog posts, making content, managing the site. And then you might need a, a networking or not, maybe not a networking engineer, but you might need a web development engineer or web developer, whatever, to maintain your website. You might need that because it's WordPress and it's self-hosted. So you might need to do those updates. And if you don't know how to do it yourself, you might need a web developer. You see how these costs get out of control. This is your baseline price. And yeah. Some things are going to be superfluous. You could probably find maybe maybe some cheaper hosting, although that, that hosting price is pretty good. You could sign up for the annual plans of things to save money. You could sign up for things when they're on sale, of course. And that's the next thing that I want to talk about. How do we escape these hidden costs? How do we escape these things? Well, I mean, some of these are self-explanatory, but I'm going to go through the list. Promos. There's times where things are, are at a primo price. A classic one is cell phones. 
Kids going back to school, they need a cell phone to go to college, university. Boom. Great back to school plans. That's a promo. So you could do the same thing with plugins and with WordPress things like Cyber Monday, Black Friday, Boxing Day. Maybe there's a specific thing in your region, a specific type of sale in your region. Uh, I see like 4th of July sales. I see Canada Day sales. Those type of things. Those are absolutely great times to net a year or two of a subscription for 40% off sometimes. Sometimes it's like super, super, super cheap. When IFTTT changed, I had a free plan and they offered me a paid plan. They literally said, here's what we recommend you pay, but you can offer less. I kept offering less and less and less until the, the they kept like saying to me, oh, that's too low. It's too low. It's too low. I'm paying like $1.23 or something ridiculous. I think it's gone up now. But at the time I was paying like $1.23 a month for like a few months for IFTTT Pro or whatever the heck their payment plan is. That's what I was paying, right? That's a great promo. Annual subscriptions, of course, or longer term. Something like GoDaddy will give you a great deal. Sometimes it's literally a dollar for the first year if you sign up for three years, sign up for 36 months. That's not not too bad, especially if you're like, well, you know, it's not going to break the bank. I'm going to save a bunch of money in that first year. Why not? Also, purchasing alternative programs that bundle multiple features into one subscription. So if you're like, man, you're like, you know, we're chatting on, I don't know, something that costs us money, but we also have Microsoft 365 and Teams is included. Why don't we migrate to Teams? And I know that some people are going to say sunken cost fallacy, and I have a note about that in a bit. But if you're trying to budget things down, sometimes you got to do stuff like this. You got to say, wait, hang on a second. We're paying for two, effectively two chat programs. No, cut one, go with the other. The one has the chat program and all our productivity apps. That's what we're going to go with. We're not paying for another program just because we like it better. You can also just do without. Now that sounds simpler than, than not, but clients will do this all the time to us. They'll come to us and be like, we well, need this. I tell them that's, this is the price. Maybe not even us. Like I'll just say to them, that's a plugin. That's $12 a month. They'll be like, oh, well, I didn't really feel like I had to pay for it. And they're like per month, you know, I don't want to pay for month. It's like, okay, you know what? You think about it. I told you what it is. And then they never get back to you. So they just did without. So that's a, that's an effective budget strategy that does work and it's easier said than done, but it does absolutely work. And also you can toggle and time your subscriptions. For example, I mean, this isn't web development, but this is a very common one. You can't watch Netflix, Crave, Prime Video and all this other stuff unless you have a lot of time or unless you want to have stuff on in the background. If you're not using Prime this month because you're waiting for one of their shows to release next year, you could turn off the Prime Video for a bit. And just watch Netflix. And then when you're done with Netflix, turn that Netflix off, turn that Prime back on if you're watching Prime. You don't have to have all of them. You're not, you're not like you're not like holding yourself back. And the instant you want to watch something on Prime again, just turn the subscription back on. But if you've if you've been off of it for a month, you've saved yourself a month. Now, of course, you have to consider you might be on a grandfathered in rate, so you might have to pay the new rate, and maybe that is gonna cost you more. Do, you know, do proper budgeting and your due diligence. But in general, like, to, like toggle things off. If you have ga- Xbox Game Pass Ultimate and you're away, you know, you're not going to be able to play games. You're away for six months on a work contract. You, get, you can't do it. You can't use it. Turn it off and then turn it back on when you get back. Do the math. If that's going to save you money, why not? Now, again, I have a, a thing about sunken cost fallacy here. I want you to beware of and be aware of. <laughs> sunken cost fallacy. What do I mean by that? Well, well, I was told years ago, like Mike and I switched to Microsoft Teams and Microsoft Teams was brand new. So we got some problems. We had some problems with it. We had some notification problems. We had some Android problems. It was a brand new app, right? I'm not going to fault it. We still use it today. 
And so I mentioned that in one of my just sort of chats and one of my friends said, you know, sunk a cost fallacy, you know, you you're paying for it. So you're using it, but it's garbage. He's like, buy something that's better. And he's not wrong, you know, especially if that other thing is going to help your, your productivity that much. But in Mike, in my case, the amount of urgent messages is not enough. And we do have our personal numbers. Like I can text Mike or call him on his personal line. There, there is like an emergency check-in if I have to call him or he has to call me. So I'm aware of the sunken cost fallacy, but I don't want to pay for something. I don't have the budget or I don't want to pay for something. So I'm willing to deal with the lesser product at the time and it got better and it was fine. So just be aware of that. A classic one is you might be like a hobbyist photographer and you might take photos and you want to edit them with Photoshop and Lightroom. Fantastic. But you might only do that three times a year. Are you going to pay? You're going to pay every single month for that. Now, sometimes some plans require you have an annual subscription, require you have a six month subscription. That kind of sucks. It locks you in. But if you're able to do it monthly, only turn it on when you need it. When you decide to go edit those photos, go, go turn your subscription on for a month. You edit for a month and then you want to go back out there for a few months, take a pictures, turn that subscription off if you can. Those type of things will help you. Absolutely. And sunken cost fallacy is absolutely something you should consider. Like, for example, if I'm turning off my Photoshop and I'm not getting as I'm turning it off, I'm like, I'm doing it for 30 days. Okay. And then I, I'm then using, you know, a free version of it or like a free photo editor every other month. And I'm noticing I'm selling prints, let's say, and my prints are not selling as well, but I'm like, well, I'm already paying for this other one that's, you know, free or very, very cheap. Why would I do that? You have to take a look at that and go, you know what? I'm going to eat, eat it. I'm going to pay for the yearly creative creative cloud or whatever it is, the Adobe subscription to get my Photoshop back. And even though I'm only using it a few times a year, I'm not going to, you know, force myself to use this other one on my phone that isn't as good. That's actually costing me money. You have to take a look and be like, I'm going to have to leave this one behind. And even if I paid for like a free app on my phone for a whole year, that thing's costing me money. I got to dump it. I'm not just going to force myself to use it for a year because I used it. That's sunken cost. That's a sunken cost fallacy where you're like, I'm going to use this crappier editor, produce a crappier product, make less money <laughs> because I paid for it. You know, don't do that. So a lot of these things I'm saying, you know, just cut, 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 cut according to you. You take a look at your unique situation, do the math and figure out if it's a good deal. Now, yeah, like, I think oh, I was going to yeah. say my throat's giving out. So please talk a little bit. <laughs> yeah, no, I understand. Uh, but like, I think the other thing that you can do is just stay on free tiers for as long as you possibly can. When you're first starting out, when you're, when you're, like demoing a service when you're trying to find market fit, avoid going to the paid tier just because it's a little bit more convenient. It's like sometimes the paid tier will make one step, make you do one less step, do that one more step, do that extra little bit of development, do that extra bit of work that'll make you stay on the free tier. Like you can get around. We've we've talked about crazy numbers right now, and that's really realistic. And a lot of times that does happen, but I can guarantee you, you can do almost the same things that Matt was saying in free tiers of services, probably for like a $20 a month total cost. Okay. And in fact, I would love to do a, um, a challenge like that, like build like a, a, a functioning little website with an e-commerce and everything for under $20 a month. I think zero would be really difficult because you might be going up against some TOS, some, some terms of service things where you're not supposed to use some free tiers for actual paid like subscription stuff for like, if you're selling something on your website, but I think there are some services which will allow you to do that, first of all. And second of all, I think with a low cost, you can get through it. Like, trust me, the free tiers are sometimes extremely generous as long as you're willing to 
do a couple of extra steps because there's always going to be that like, oh, I can go to the paid tier and I can like, cut this stuff off. Like I won't have to share my account details, for instance, uh, with with my partners and stuff like that, because this the free tiers a lot of times will lock down how many users you can have. Right. Like your 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 CMS can only be edited by one account. That's one of the typical things that a free tier has. Well, just share your credentials, have like a password manager that you could share back and forth, right? Stuff like that. Like you can get around it. You can work around it. It is a little bit more of a pain in the ass. It's on purposely. It's on purpose, though, to make you upgrade. Fight that. Fight that urge and do that extra step, especially when you're first starting out, when you're not getting that income. So, yeah, like that, I guess that's my like biggest key advice, because there are a lot of really great services out there that will help you especially if you're willing to work in their like free tier uh, terms of service and free tier tiers. Yeah. You, you could do without that little bit of productivity, you know, that little bit of like, Oh, I mean, you know, I can export a little bit of a higher image on Canva or whatever, but then it's like, well, how many times are you going to do that? Is yeah. it worth is that really going to increase your profits when you haven't even made something yet? Like that's exactly it. It's like, it, it just becomes like, okay, you know, and, and like Mike and I, for example, like, Mike and I will like save money on stuff. Like we'll look for the cheaper option. Like many people will, of course. And like, I like to keep things for a long time. So I'll buy the more expensive items sometimes and keep it and do whatever. And I'll like, you know, try to maximize the use I can get out of something to the point where it drives me crazy. But I think that's the point where I stop where I'm like, okay, like this thing that I purchased is not necessarily going to last forever. I can't be like so preservationist that I'm like so worried about it. You know, where I'm like, oh my God, like, you know, is this, you know, I bought this chair and like one of the bolts was loose and I fixed it kind of, but like, oh my God, like what if I move and then I, I move the chair and it, like some people will go down that rabbit hole and my brain will for like a second. I'm like, no, this is, this is chaos. Like what if I accidentally trip one day, bump the chair and it breaks anyway? <laughs> it, like, you know, we're trying to be preservationist on a chair that costs $200. Do the best you can, but don't go crazy with it too. So like what I, what I, you know, my, my closing note is that like, look at the situation for yourself. And just don't always want to pay the money. Like just like Mike said, use the free tier. Try to keep things around for longer. Try to fix things yourself. If you can't, or if it's going to take you days and days and days and days and days and days and days to fix something. And you're like, man, but I just bought this keyboard. My last keyboard lasted 10 years. This one only lasted a year. It's broken. I can't get it. Just fuck, just, just buy a keyboard. You need a keyboard, buy a keyboard. That, that's how you do all your work. Sometimes you just got to buy a keyboard. That's the way it goes. But that's it. That concludes this episode before my voice literally gives out because now it's starting to get real bad. It's real good because we're supposed to go talk to a doctor later and he's gonna be like, are you sick? I'd be like, I don't think so. I mean, I just don't have a voice. I don't know what happened. Anyway, thanks to our $3 tier patrons, Ryan Gadgel from Blue Black Digital and BlueBlackDigital.com, Tim from The Web Hacker on TheWebHacker.com, Jason from Geek Life Radio via GeekLifeRadio.com, Michael Curie from MC Web Studio via MCWebStudio.ca, Magnus from YesWeb via YesWeb.se, Jeff from Twitter via at the Jeff McHale, Fire and Season via FireAndSeason.com, Gunner Brunette via GunnerBrunette.com, Watoto Coding via WatotoCoding.com, Garrett Segal, Level Up Financial Planning via www.levelupfinancialplanning.com. And remember that we do have a discount link for Scrimba. You can go check that out if you want to learn how to code with their interactive, interactive media player code editor. They also have free courses. You can go check it out, see if you like it, and then use our link to get a discount on their subscriptions Go check that out. And as a final note, we'd like to give a shout out to a contributing author on htmallofthings.com, Michael LaRocca. Michael LaRocca is the author of Self-Taught, the X-Generation blog at selftaughttxg.com. I'm going to go rest my voice. Feel free to leave a comment to review in the platform you're listening to this on. And this outro will sign us off. 
You've been listening to HTML All The Things Podcast. Web development, web design, and small business. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you appreciate that we talk to you like human beings. And we hope you had some fun. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on social media. On Facebook, Instagram, and Patreon at HTML All The Things. And on Twitter at HTML Everything. Until next time, this is HTML All The Things. Signing off.